This podcast is brought to you by Reynolds & Reynolds, the industry leader in automotive technology. Learn how operating differently can help you overcome the pressures facing your dealership today at reyrey.com slash operate differently. That's R-E-Y-R-E-Y dot com slash operate dash differently. Want to dive deeper into the topics you hear about on Daily Drive? We're offering listeners a special offer, 20% off a one-year automotive news digital subscription. That gets you access to all of our news, information, and analysis made for automotive industry leaders like you. Go to autonews.com slash daily drive promo to redeem. Welcome to Daily Drive for Thursday, September 14, 2023. I'm Jamie Butters, Executive Editor of Automotive News here in Detroit. And I'm Kellen Walker, also in Detroit. Today on the show, the clock is ticking and a strike appears likely. The deadline for the UAW and Detroit 3 to reach agreements is now just hours away. The latest on what leaders from the UAW and auto companies are saying coming up. And three automakers form a vehicle-to-grid company that could save EV drivers money. Plus, we'll hear from GM President Mark Royce about when he sees EVs becoming profitable and about the status of labor negotiations with the UAW. We've made a lot of progress uh, over the last few days. And I think, you know, the teams that are uh, doing this in the give and take is, is really happening. So we're on a path. Let's run through all the news you need to know to keep up in the auto industry. In just hours, at 11.59 Eastern Time tonight, the UAW's contracts with the Detroit 3 expire. UAW President Sean Fain said the union will strike key Detroit 3 plants starting early Friday without new agreements in place. This as two of the automakers said they haven't gotten responses from the union to their latest offers. During a live stream Wednesday, Fain called proposals to give raises of up to 20% insulting. He said the union would begin announcing the first plants to be targeted by strikes at 10 tonight. Fain has called the strategy a stand-up strike, a callback to the sit-down strikes in the early days of the union. The stand-up strike will keep the companies guessing. It's going to rely on discipline, organization, and creativity. But I do believe the beauty of the stand-up strike is that it provides us the maximum flexibility moving forward to have the most effective means of striking that we can put forth to get the best result we need for our membership. Fain said a full-on strike against every plant was also still possible. Meanwhile, Ford and Stellantis issued separate statements Wednesday evening saying the UAW had not responded to offers they presented a day earlier. Ford CEO Jim Farley said the company had put four increasingly generous offers on the table since August 29th and had yet to receive any genuine counteroffer. He told reporters Wednesday that Fain was not present when he and executive chair Bill Ford met with the union's bargainers. In fact, the first time I even found out that Sean Fain had seen our offer was tonight on Facebook Live when I watched it myself and my team. We're here. We're ready to negotiate. But it's sure hard to negotiate a contract when there's no one to negotiate with. GM's statement said it has submitted multiple strong offers and the automaker is making progress in key areas including historic guaranteed annual wage increases and shortening the time for in-progression employees to reach maximum wages. During his live stream, Fain provided details of the automaker's most recent proposals. The latest proposed wage increases are 20% from Ford 
18% from General Motors and 17.5% from Stellantis, he said. The UAW is demanding a 36% increase after initially demanding a 46% raise over the life of the contract. Switching to EV matters, three automakers, Ford, American Honda, and BMW, are forming a new company that will create a single platform to connect electric utilities, automakers, and electric vehicle customers, and manage energy usage across the U.S. and Canada. It's called Chargescape. The company said the platform will eliminate the need for individual integrations among each automotive brand and electric utility. It will also allow participating EV customers to potentially save money by charging at grid-friendly times. Chargescape is equally owned by the automakers. It's expected to be operational early next year. The three companies said they are open to participation from other automakers. And Google is expanding app offerings across its open-source infotainment platform and in-cars with built-in Google applications. The company said drivers will be able to access WebEx and Zoom, Prime Video, the Weather Channel, and Vivaldi web browser in their vehicles. Google's open-source development toolkit, Android Auto, will allow developers to include WebEx and Zoom integrations with audio-only capability. Google Play will include Prime Video in select Renault, Pulsar, and Volvo cars. The Weather Channel will also be available on Google Play. Some of the integrations, such as Zoom and Prime Video, are available this week, while WebEx and the Weather Channel will be available in coming weeks. And those are today's headlines. Jamie, we are just hours away from the Detroit contracts with the UAW expiring is it even possible they can strike a deal in the 23rd hour, or should we just brace ourselves for a strike? I had been gaining optimism throughout the week that there was a decent chance of reaching a deal, seeing that the automakers are still really in the teens or you know maybe maybe one maybe Ford at 20%. It does seem like they're quite a ways away to be able to nail that down in, in just these last hours. Maybe there's a short strike. Maybe they can get back to the table, reach a deal, and, and get it to the members. Sounds like we're going to have to buckle ourselves in. <laughs> Coming up, an interview with GM President Mark Royce. That's next on Daily Drive. The auto industry's shift to carbon neutrality is here, and it's accelerating. But is it enough? This is a moral imperative, an economic imperative, a moment of peril but also a moment of extraordinary possibilities. No more hesitancy, no more excuses, no more waiting for the others to move first. There is simply no more time for that. Driving to Zero is a new podcast series from Automotive News that looks at the auto industry's roadmap to carbon neutrality. We take a big picture look at the environmental, political, and social trends pushing the move toward a greener future and we pull back the curtain on how these decisions are being made at the highest levels. I said, you know, the, the headline that you need is, is GM believes in an all-electric future. And I think Dan Ammon and Mary Barra pretty much said the same thing, which is, is like, but, but we, we don't. Spoiler alert, they came around to that idea. Find out how and much more. I'm Jake Neer. Join me and Automotive News Executive Editor Jamie Butters on Driving to Zero, available now wherever you get your podcasts. Economic uncertainty, vehicle affordability, and ever-increasing customer expectations are threatening the profitability and efficiency gains you've made over the last couple of years. 
You may be finding the strategies you've used to improve performance in the past just aren't as effective as they once were. You offer online options so customers can begin the buying process remotely, but your salespeople have to rebuild the deal or correct it during the in-store appointment. You ask your advisors to be proactive about calling customers to get work approved, but still wind up with occupied bays and stalled jobs when the customer doesn't answer the phone. Your business office clerks are trying to process deal jackets faster, but funding still takes weeks. The strategies you've used to improve performance in the past just aren't as effective as they once were. Getting better at outdated and inefficient processes will only get you so far. Let's face it, Netflix isn't a household name because they got really good at mailing DVDs. And nearly half of Apple's revenue comes from the iPhone, not from the computers the company was founded on. These companies evolved as new challenges presented themselves instead of sticking with the status quo. It's time for a mindset shift. It's time to operate differently. Finding new and innovative ways to operate is essential to effectively managing the pressures facing your dealership. Visit rayray.com slash operate differently to get started. That's R-E-Y-R-E-Y dot com slash operate dash differently. Welcome back to Daily Drive. I'm Jamie Butters with Kellen Walker. General Motors is working to build out its supply chain for electric vehicles and unlock profitability as it achieves efficiency and scale. That's what GM President Mark Royce told us on Tuesday at the Automotive News Congress event here at our offices in Detroit. He also talked about the state of contract talks with UAW as they stood at the time. Royce spoke with Automotive News publisher Casey Crane. Here's a piece of their conversation. I promise your team we wouldn't go too deep into it, but if you're thinking about Ford, GM, or Stellantis right now, I think we've got two days till an agreement needs to be made before a strike happens. I'm just curious if uh, you could give us you know, an overall feeling of how things are going. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a great time of change in the industry. And so these um, labor negotiations and, and bargaining that's taking place is truly historic. And I think um, we've made a lot of progress uh, over the last few days. Um, and I think, you know, the teams that are uh, doing uh, this in the give and take is, is really happening. So we're on a path. That's part of the process. Um, that's what we're doing. And, you know, from a GM standpoint, you know, we're here uh, to win. Uh, and this is a very intense marketplace. The goal is to reward our, our team members, our employees, our stakeholders. And we also have to invest uh, in the future, which we are doing, uh, to, in that intense marketplace to win. And we've made those investments. But um, I know uh, that together we can win. And from that standpoint, I think um, the future looks incredibly bright. Okay, I'll take that answer. Um, you, you know, there's so much capital going into the market these days, and you know, people are spending just ungodly amounts on electrification. It feels like everyone was kind of doing their own thing until the connectors came into play. And you guys were one of the first to reach out and say, hey, listen, this doesn't make any sense. Why did you choose with Tesla to have that first bit of partnership? Well, you know, we looked at um, the rate, you know, the market's changing uh, on a pretty fast basis in terms of the infrastructure and what people really need to remove the friction uh, to be able to purchase, um, you know, in volume, uh, a vehicle that's an electric vehicle that is their primary vehicle. And so that infrastructure is very key to it. And so and if we can pick up another 12,000 um, of the NACS-based um, uh, connector and um, also um, perpetuate, you know, the 12 partnerships we have with networks, um, you know, across uh, the, the country. Um, and 
you know, we're, we've got things like uh, EVgo where we just did our a, a thousandth um, DC fast charger. You know, that's growth. And so we're in it to get that going and invest in it. We've invested a ton, tens of thousands on a level two basis with our dealers and municipalities around the, um, the country as well. So, you know, all of those things, it's not one thing, as we all know, it's, it's sort of all of it. And yeah. we got to be big investors and in making sure that, you know, for instance, our customers um, will have 134,000 uh, places to charge their vehicles because of all that. That's a big deal. So um, we're going to keep doing that. And so NACS becomes a, an industry standard? Do you think other people I think it's going to be both it? for a while. You know, the, the, the six-company um, JV that we just formed uh, is, for now, non-NACS. And so it'll start. I think it'll have both. Um, there's going to be a car park that has both. And so, you know, I don't, I don't think it's a one or the other. And sorry to be a little vague on that, but that's honestly the way it's developing. And so how do you communicate that with dealers? Uh, they, they've already installed a bunch of, of non-NACS. Uh, um, what's that communication like? Uh, it's not, you know, our dealers are um, our first-line customers and partners, so they're very important to us. But I would say that, you know, the adapters and the, um, the way we go about this has to include them. So, um, and I think anything that makes it easier for people to buy a General Motors uh, vehicle that's an electric vehicle um, through a dealership, um, they're going to be happy about, and that's what we're doing. You know, over in Europe, they're talking about charging as another revenue opportunity for people that operate whatever, wherever it is that the, the infrastructure is. You guys are now kind of in the gas station market. Is that another opportunity for GM to own more places where people can get a coffee and a sandwich and charge their car? I think so, but like the pilot partnership, you know, where we're doing 5,000 of the 13,000 DC fast chargers, you know, going, that's a big number. So Pilot J is really good at that. I'm not sure General Motors, that's our core business, but you know, from an offboarding of power standpoint um, through the garage and you know, what that means to the power companies and General Motors and our customers, there's all kinds of options there um, to help um, the peaks of what the grid is, um, the peaks of what happens from climate change in some um, regions of the country where power goes out and, and you rely on a Silverado to charge your house for 21 days, that's, that's a pretty compelling deal. So, you know, there's all that. Yeah. Um, a lot of talk this morning about supply chain, about ecosystem. Um, I know you guys are trying to figure out, you know, I'm not sure it's, it's end to end, but definitely controlling a little bit more of your own supply chain. I always laugh when I see folks on, on MSNBC or other news outlets talking about EVs like it's easy. Tell us a little bit about how, you know, why it's important for you guys to control and, and how much more can you do? I think it's really important. And you know, we've done some incredible partnerships on some of the, um, the companies most recently with uh, um, Mitra, um, which is um, LF, uh, LFP, um, you know, low-cost raw materials for batteries. We're going to have a lot of those different uh, partnerships. Um, as we've, we've done it every month, we have one or two. And so most of that, um, as evidence, is in the United States. You know, there's a big lithium discovery here the other day, which is fantastic, too. So I think the opportunity is really there. But we've been going at this for a couple of years. And, uh, and so we're going to secure that supply chain, and we're going to make sure that the, the first round of this is, um, and, and, and our big round is going to be in the United States. No, I think that makes a great point that everybody's trying to do as much as they can. Are, are there enough efforts around uh, North America? You know, do we know how to do this? Uh, I think 
I think it's it's a developing piece of it. You know, it's not totally mature, if that's your question, and I think it kind of is. But no, there'll be a lot more um, opportunities uh, for development and maturity of how we supply that. And um, at the same time, battery chemistry isn't stagnant. And so, you know, the, the things we use to make um, batteries uh, is, frankly, in its infancy in terms of what we can see and the development and the energy density and the cost to do that. So. Um, we're at the, the very early days of all that. So um, I expect that to be very dynamic and change uh, quite a bit. Um, you know, that leads us to a good point. There isn't a lot of profit, there aren't a lot of profits being made right now in electric vehicles. Assume it's Gen 1 iPhone and, uh, you know, to get to Gen 15, what, what does it look like and when do you guys think real profitability, even low digits uh, profitability happens for General Motors? Things are not as heavy and easier to produce. Sure. I think it, um, again, I think uh, I'll use this opportunity. The, the Silverado that you um, may have seen, you know, the 3WT work truck is now going to get 393 miles of range. And that's a work truck. And so, you know, the rest of the market and the customers say, well, I, I need 350 at least. Well, we're going to come with 393. Um, the big dog in the Silverado is 450. Those are going to keep getting better. And so whether um, customers tell us that they want to buy a long-range vehicle or not, we can take the mods out of those batteries as the energy density gets better, and that's less cost. And so that's sort of the train that we're on in terms of giving our customers lots of different options because everybody's got a, di a different duty cycle, right? So um, I think that's really important, and I think that's going to um, you know, be great. And I think the, the digits... In terms of profitability, you know, we have EVs that are profitable. We did, you know, 50,000 here this first half of the year. We're looking for another 100,000 here the second half of the year. That's our goal. And as some of these things come online, you're going to see profitable EVs. And that comes from doing our architectures from the ground up for batteries and not retrofitting things with um, that were internal combustion. And so you get the efficiency, you get the capability, you get the proportion, you get the functionality that you see on a Silverado, you see um, an Equinox, you see uh, you know, all of those things. And so that's the opportunity. We're just unlocking it right now. So I think when you get past 25, you're going to start seeing that, um, I think, which is pretty soon. Uh, so I think you're going to see that. It's like tomorrow. You know, it's interesting, Mark, you're a car guy. And before, when, when folks went shopping for a car, there were certain things that were important to them. Might have been miles per gallon, might have been horsepower. Everyone keeps talking about range, but people very infrequently actually drive 350 miles. You know, it's a weekend excursion, it's an it's a infrequent trip. Do you think there's a time where folks, you know, I think the average commute in America is like 37 miles. Are we gonna stop talking about range? Is it, was that a, okay, we got to 300 and now we can move on? Nobody needs an EV that goes 900 miles? I think um, that's a great question, and I think there's, there's a couple dynamics in that question. Number one is, um, what are you buying? So if you're buying a truck, I want 450 miles because I want to tow. And so I want to tow up north. I want to tow 10,000 pounds. That's a different battery duty cycle, obviously, than an Equinox. You know, right, because it's or, not every day. No, it's not every day either. And then if you look at, I think, as range becomes more of a standard that you buy, and you can buy different ones, things become really important that kind of were important, but they're really, really important, which is the desirability and the design of the vehicle. And that becomes, I don't see that changing. So when you buy something that's as expensive as a vehicle um, or an electric vehicle or an ICE vehicle, it's second only to most people's house. 
and I think um, it's still part of who you are. It's your passion. Um, I want to be seen in it. I like to get into it. I want to drive it. I want to do that every day. I don't see that changing. So the design piece of this and what we can deliver to the customer from a customer experience standpoint in that design is going to be more and more important. And I think, you know, we've made some investments like a new design center in Warren, uh, which we haven't done since like 1955, uh, which is probably really needed. But this, this is a world-class talent and aesthetic and industrial design facility. So that's why we did it. And that's what I believe. GM President Mark Royce spoke with our publisher, Casey Crane, at Automotive News Congress here in Detroit. That's Daily Drive for today. I'm Jamie Butters. And I'm Kellen Walker. Thanks to Automotive News coordinating producer Jake Neer and Alicia Anderson. Today's episode includes reporting from our own Michael Martinez, Audrey LaForest, Molly Boygon, and Lindsey Van Hulley. You can get the latest news on UAW talks, EV infrastructure, and everything happening in the auto industry at autonews.com. Come back tomorrow for an update on the UAW and for a conversation about the rising collision repair costs of EVs. If you enjoy the podcast, remember to like, leave a review, and subscribe so you never miss an episode. 